HiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of Tech Talk right here on HiFM where we cover all the tech announcements. We try to unpack some of the new products that hit the market. And as always, September is a huge month for technology pretty much across the world. As you all aware, there's no question that tech today is just a global event. What happens in America is instantly heard everywhere across the globe, and it has an impact pretty much instantly. It's pretty amazing how quickly news spreads and how relevant it all is. Well, yesterday was the big Apple event, I'm sure, unless you, you really weren't watching the news or have no interest in tech at all, which means you won't be listening to this show. However, Apple had their big gather round event at their fantastic new offices in Cupertino and um, announced some pretty amazing new gear. If you're an Apple fan, I think you're going to be super pleased. There's new watches, there's new phones, there's new software, and all the other rumors didn't quite come to fruition. But we're going to talk about that uh, during Tech Talk Cafe today. So stay tuned for all the latest Apple news um, reviews. Well, not reviews yet, but certainly I have been using iOS 12 for the last couple of months or couple of weeks. And I'm um, pretty impressed. It launches next week, Monday. But on more on that in a few minutes. But uh, if you have been a loyal British Airways fan over the last couple of um, weeks, there's unfortunately some really bad news. You should have received an email, but if you've heard anything more about that, the facts are very simple. For a period of time, somehow hackers managed to insert themselves in the payment system for any British Airways bookings, and they managed to steal all the credit card de information that people used on its website to make those reservations. So this was during a period of... Um, about a week and a bit, from the 21st of August till 5 September. So it's really, really real. If you made any bookings on the British Airways website, you need to change or rather um, change all your PIN numbers or, or get your credit card blocked and get a new one issued. Um, they say that the airline says that they've sent over 380,000 emails uh, to, to people who were involved in about that amount of payments, and anyone of these people who believe they may have been affected, in fact, anybody who used their credit card to book anything on the BA site um, over that period, that's from 21 August, uh, around about <clears throat> 9.45 p.m., that's London time, to the 5th of September. But basically, from the 21st of August till the 5th of September, if you booked any airline tickets on BA using your credit card, the chances are your data has been compromised, and not only did they just get your credit card number, they got all your credit card details. What is interesting, that it actually wasn't the main BA system that was breached. So no store data was 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 hacked and no other information relating to your credit, to your ID, your passport details, your travel data, anything of that sort um, was um, was compromised. But it could be a big deal for BA because they're now part of the whole new D GDPR rules that apply in Europe. They're still part of Europe until March next year. And the fine could be as high as a couple of percent of their group turnover. So this has massive, massive implications for BA. I don't think it's going to affect them sort of long term, but in the meanwhile, it could cost them a couple of billion pounds. I mean, these days we only seem to be talking about billions. I'll be talking about a few more billion in a few moments, but still... Um, this is going to be a big, costly affair. Their chairman, uh, Alex Cruz, who's had a couple of tech issues over the last couple of months, um, is going to has stated that he will compensate anybody for any loss should they get such loss through the misuse of their credit cards. The good news really is that airlines are incredible, well, not airlines, banks are incredibly aware how much fraud happens with airline tickets. But I still cannot imagine how this can work because, quite honestly, when you go to an airline and you fly out of any country to another country, you need passports, you need ID. And if they find that that 
ticket was bought with fraudulent credit cards, it's so easy to identify who it is. However, that being said, we still have a huge problem with credit card fraud. And um, you should always stay vigilant, just in general. You know, you should check your credit card slips every single month. You should sign up for the in-contact SMS alerts, app alerts, you name it, any form. And, and not over a certain amount, any amount. Because what the trick these guys do is they put through little amounts. What they, they do, this is a standard trick for anyone who has your credit card information. They will sign up for Uber with your credit card using another email address. And that puts a very small charge or Airbnb, very small charge to your uh, credit card to verify that your credit card is good. And once that happens, they then use your card lots of other places. So if you see a 10 Rand or $1 charge, don't ignore it because you use Uber. Query it. Did you sign up for Uber? Did you register with Uber? Why would there be a 1 Rand charge which gets reversed? That's the key. The charge goes onto your credit card and then comes off your credit card. So you think, oh, okay, maybe they were just checking my credit card. Well, they were. But it's possibly because that credit card had been compromised in some way or another. So stay alert. Stay really aware of what's going on. Use all the means available. Often you won't get a SMS alert or a, a, any alert for one rand. A lot of people put their limited couple of hundred rand. So I would say set your limit to nothing. Get an alert for everything. And turn the noise off at night. You can check it in the morning. The credit card companies are actually very good if you report fraud at, re at reversing all the stuff. They've got a really great system to see that you're spending money in Norwood in Johannesburg in the afternoon and suddenly you're making purchases in London the same night. Not possible. So um, they're pretty good with their, their various security methods and methodologies. But anyway, it's, it's very uncomfortable when your credit card gets uh, hacked. And uh, 380,000 people is not trivial for hacking uh, on the VA site. Anyway, moving on to even more madness out there with money and billions is that MTN are in the news again for all the wrong reasons. They released a good set or a pleasing set of results. They were doing well across many of their territories. And as the biggest um, provider of, you know, uh, cellular operations in Nigeria, they've had a really rough time. Sometime last year, they got hammered with a 5 billion rand fine, uh, which was crazy, which a $5 billion US dollar fine for not disconnecting people in Nigeria's version of Rika Fika. At the time, I, I maintained, and a lot of commentators maintained, that that was effectively a mugging. Um, and that the the Nigerian government were using it as a way to raise revenue in as quick a possible time without going through all the sort of normal channels. Well, guess what? Nigeria are back on the hunt again. They issued a notice to MTN round about um, end of August saying that they had illegally repatriated funds of round about 10 billion U.S. dollars during a period of 20 2009 to 2015. And um, they then proceeded to uh, fine a whole lot of the banks that did this with MTN and uh, said that MTN must return the money to the Nigerian bank. And then kindly what they would do is give that money back to MTN in Naira, in the local Nigerian currency, which does nobody any good because then obviously MTN would probably have a, a real struggle to get that money back out of the country. Um, and then MTN, of course, have denied that they've done anything wrong. And the chances of a company as big as MTN making payments of that size out of the country, along with commercial banks in Nigeria without proper permissions, is essentially zero. And in fact, they had a similar issue last year. Uh, which was adjudicated by the various authorities and courts in, in Nigeria, and no wrongdoing was found. So I'm not certain where Nigeria are going with this, but they decided that they have a little shortfall in their budget and they need 10 billion US dollars back. Well, not to be uh, outdone, another department, the Attorney General, and again, um, I have absolutely no concept of why the Attorney General would do this, but they uh, issued a notice to the MTN operator 
seeking uh, around about another $2 billion for taxes that weren't paid correctly uh, or were, were not paid on certain purchases and other assorted transactions by MTN over a period of a couple of, of years also in the, in the nearish recent future. Now, what MTN have done is they have completely and utterly denied that they've done anything wrong. They maintain that they have um, abided by every single uh, law. And we'll, we will continue just wrapping up that story straight after this quick ad break. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up the whole MTN story, MTN have gone to court in Nigeria, to the highest court, to seek an injunction to stop all this activity until such time as their negotiations with uh, the various operators and everything have been taken care of. And in fact, it's become such a big deal that the South African government have actually said that uh, they would assist wherever necessary should this whole thing get out of hand. Because 12 billion US dollars is, is just an unbelievably obscene amount of money. And it is so big that it actually does feel like a mugging because last time they asked for 5 million, they got a billion. This time they asked for 10, 10 billion, maybe they'll get 2 billion. But even so, I mean, how difficult is it operating in a country where you believe you're abiding by all the laws and regulations? And um, guess what? Perhaps those laws and regulations can be rewritten to suit the government of the day. Well, we have our own challenges in this country around that exact type of scenario, but we're not going to go there. Bottom line is MTN stock has dropped significantly, unfortunately. They've got some massive challenges in their biggest market. Uh, there's no question they have more providers. But by the same token, Nigeria has got a huge problem. Without MTN, without their telecommunication services, it is simply not possible to run a modern economy. There is no way they potentially could have incredible riots if MTN decide, you know what, we can't take this mugging anymore. We're going to either curtail or cut back our services or get rid of them entirely, they could cause absolute economic and societal meltdown. Can you imagine if, if between Vodacom and MTN, they decide to shut down mobile telecommunications in a country like South Africa? Can you just begin to imagine what would happen? Anyway, we will, I'll keep you appraised of this, but it's just a, a huge story. It just shows you that doing business in Africa is difficult. And MTN, especially after their last little expensive exercise in dealing with a Nigerian government, I'm sure have cleaned up their act in Nigeria unbelievably and are certainly very, very, very careful to abide by every single law to the letter of the law. And we will see where this pans out. But I don't think this is going to go well for Nigeria this time. But they are the, the government of the country and they set the rules. So let's stay tuned and see where this all goes over the next little while. Now, moving on to much, much, much more exciting or interesting news of a positive spin. Huawei, as I mentioned on the, uh, you know, on my show a couple of weeks ago, has now become the number two cell phone manufacturer in the world, right behind, well, not quite, they're still a long way behind Samsung, but they have surpassed Apple as number two by volume. Not by profitability, there's still no question that Apple is still 90% of the profits of the mobile market um, and all the others are like very, very, very distant uh, behind them. So this is not a profit thing. It's all simply a matter of number of phones shipped, shipped at any point in time. And for the first time ever, Huawei has risen from essentially nowhere a couple of years ago to be number two. And that also, in, you've got to understand the perspective here. Huawei devices are not sold in one of the biggest mobile markets in the world. And this obviously gives Apple a huge edge. They do not sell their devices in the U.S. because there's this ongoing issue around um, security, safety, and the Chinese uh, and the Chinese government potentially having an involvement in Huawei as a company, which Huawei deny completely. But anyway. As I, as I mentioned last week, Huawei announced their Kirin 980 chip, their latest 7 nanometer chip, um, 
which powers their smartphones, and announced that that chip will go into a product on the 16th of October. It will be announced in London, and that product is the new Mate 20. They decided again, like they did with the P10 to jump to the P20, they've gone from the Mate 10, which is the current flagship business model, to the Mate 20 um, business model. And uh, they have announced that that will be their flagship of the year. And in fact, they trolled Apple yesterday by saying, thank you for allowing us to be the main show um, of 2018 with the announcement of the Mate 20. And I have no question that the Mate 20 will be a significant player along with all their multiple cameras, at least three on the back, one on the front, um, with Leica in conjunction with Leica. And there's just still no question that the P20 Pro is one of the finest camera phones on the market, bar none. And the Mate 20 is going to try to outshine that because being the new flagship, it certainly will. Well, just to make sure that we don't miss anything, Huawei announced yesterday that they're launching a Mate 20 Lite version with four cameras as well. Um, And that will obviously get announced on the 16th of October at the Mate 20 launch event. But what is interesting is they've announced that that phone will go on sale by the end of October in South Africa um, at an unspecified price. But the Lite versions tend to be generally about half the price of their flagship versions. And this light phone may well be in reaction to uh, what I'm going to talk about straight after the, the break, the new, the new iPhone XR, which will be a semi-mid-range phone from, from iPhone. So consumers win in the end. There's no question that better quality at better prices the RAND notwithstanding, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a bit of a price hike on the various phones over the next little while. But anyway, um, the Mate 20 is coming. It will probably also go on sale end of October in South Africa. And already, while we have announced the Mate 20 Lite, which will also go on sale towards the end of October in South Africa. And I think that will probably be a very, very interesting Android-based, very capable camera phone type product that will go on sale in South Africa. So if you're not an Apple fan and uh, you're looking for the best of the best in Android, this may well be the best option uh, for 2018. Now, before we switch to Tech Talk Cafe uh, in a few minutes, I just want to mention something else, a story that really crossed my my desk uh, this week. And it's actually very interesting. We all hate queuing or lining up at the airport, standing in lines to check in and do all the usual thing. And it still absolutely amazes me how many people do not use online check-in and then simply drop their bags. But people don't. And then they get to the the, the, the airport, they stand in long queues. Well, Fly Sapphire, which is one of our independent airlines, has decided to come up with a solution for that. They're going to have people wandering the lines, um, the check-in lines, with a little handheld device, and they will check you in as you stand and as you wait um, for your flight. So it's called express check-in. I think it's a little bit of a kludge. I think they should do a little bit more to try to get people to check in before and then allow, have a bag check or a quick bag drop like pretty much most airlines do around the world. But at least they're thinking about cutting the queues. They're thinking of making their, their, um, their lines a little easier. And the way you'll know that if you've booked any, and certainly as the holidays come up, it's going to help a lot. Just look for people with a pink band. They'll have a pink sash on. And they will wave at them. They'll come to you. They'll check you in. They'll take care of all the paperwork. It'll certainly help speed things up, which is always a great thing. So well done, FlySafair. I think anything that makes passengers' lives easier is a good thing. And we'll take a quick break now, and we'll be back with all the Apple news straight after this. FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. <clears throat> and as I said earlier, yesterday was the big Apple reveal for 2018. Now, the iPhone is essentially 60% of the revenues of Apple. So it is, without question, the flagship product of Apple right now. And that event that they have every September, various dates, whatever, is without question the big event or the big mobile event of the year. Last year, the iPhone 10 or iPhone X, as some people call it, was launched. It rewrote the rules. It lost an iconic 
part of the Apple DNA, which was the home button. It was gone. It introduced uh, the swipe effect. It introduced the fact that there were no bezels. It put a huge screen in a small body and in many ways rewrote what people expected from phones. It also introduced something that is somewhat controversial, however, called the notch. However, the notch is now appearing across phones from every manufacturer. Android rewrote their operating system to take the notch into account. And the reason why the notch uh, arose is that there is a whole host of cameras, sensors, projectors, microphones, you name it, at the top of the screen. And they didn't want to put it into a big fat bezel or a big fat line at the top. They wanted to fit it into the smallest or the biggest screen into the smallest body. So they've created a little cutout for these things and put information on either side of the cutout. Well, I've been using an iPhone 10 since last year, amongst other phones, some with notches, some without. Um, and I found that it's actually quite useful. It does extend the screen size. It does utilize dead space for information like Vodacom, MTN, battery, stuff that's static, stuff that really doesn't need to get involved in the main body of your screen. So, <clears throat> like it or not, Apple essentially changed what phones looked like. They set the trend once again for how phones are made, how screens are laid out, and the bezel-less full-screen phone is now with a slightly taller than wider aspect ratio. It used to be 16 by 9. It's now 18 to 19 by 9, so it's taller than it's wider. That whole um, thing has actually changed the way people look and see and play with their phones. And I think for the most part, it's been a really good move. So whether you buy an Android flagship today or an, an Apple iPhone flagship, they all have a very similar look. They're all tall, slim, thin, with either a notch at the top or a very, very tiny bezel, as in Samsung, because Samsung tend to do the smooth, rounded, off-edge type thing, as in their, their, their Galaxy Note 9 or the Galaxy S series. So, moving on to what Apple announced at their huge event. Now, I've given you a little bit of background to how much they changed things last year. The first thing that was announced was the new Apple Watch Series 4. And the Apple Watch has been the best-selling um, smartwatch on the market for a couple of years now. And in many ways, they haven't changed the look and the feel of the phone. From Series 1 to Series 3, the phone got a little thicker couple more features, the screen improved dramatically, but essentially at a glance, it was almost impossible to see which series phone you were wearing or see which series watch you were wearing at any point in time. Well, the Apple 4 has now not entirely, definitely not rewritten the rules of smartwatches, but they have made it fractionally bigger. It's gone from 42 millimeters to 45 millimeters. Um, and the 38 has gone to a 40 millimeter, so it's slightly bigger. But even more important than that, it is now fractionally slimmer than the old generation three. But the big change has come about on the screen. What they've done is they've enlarged the body fractionally. The look and feel is very similar. They do say that all your straps, all your accessories that you had. So if you're upgrading and you've got a couple of straps for different occasions, one sports strap, one fashion strap, you name it should work with the new series of, of Apple Watches. But the new screen is the big news. They've somehow flattened the screen a little and brought the, the rounded the edges in a, in a slightly more organic looking way, which follows the curve of the watch itself, whereas before it was slightly square. And at the same time, they've increased the viewing area on the front of the um, watch quite considerably. So from the pictures that I've seen, I've not physically seen one because they will only come to South Africa, interestingly, by the 28th of September, which is quite impressive considering it only goes on sale in America on the 21st of September. Uh, when they come, I'll let you know what they actually look and feel like. But certainly um, their demonstration screen was like extremely busy. It looked a little bit like a, a kiddie's toy watch. I'm not a big fan of messy watch faces. But the fact is the amount of information you can show on the screen now is hugely improved overall, but not to be left behind in many other ways. They made a huge play for health. Health is a big deal uh, for the new Apple Watch 4. And in fact, 
they have included full ECG measuring, um, which is FDA approved, which is quite something. So medical grade uh, ECG recording is now possible. The sensors sit in the back bezel and on the crown. So you touch your index finger to the crown and you can do a proper ECG. Apart from that, the normal heart rate monitoring has been upgraded significantly. And if there's any arrhythmia or any irregular heartbeat, the phone will now actually warn you. And um, it is pretty, pretty impressive uh, technology as far as I'm concerned. I personally know somebody where the current Apple Watch actually highlighted an issue with his heartbeat or his heart rate. And uh, he sought medical attention, which certainly didn't worked really well for him. The prices haven't changed in the US. It's $399 for the GPS model and $499 for the cellular model. And unfortunately, the cellular model is still a year later. It's going to another 14 or 15 territories around the world, but it's not coming to South Africa. So we'll probably once again only see the stainless steel Apple Watch 4s. I mean, the aluminium Apple Watch 4s and not the stainless steel Apple Watch 4s for South Africa, simply because all the stainless steel models have um, the cellular radios built in and they won't be able to be used in South Africa. What they have done, they've made it a little bit more discreet. It used to be a full red bezel or crown. In other words, there's a full red center that's now got a discreet little red line on the crown. And the crown has also been upgraded. It has now got full haptic feedback. And apparently all the people who played with it said it feels like an actual mechanical crown. Who knows where the Apple gurus did or how they, much time they spent to get that right. But overall, this looks like a significant update on the current series of Apple Watches. And if you're an Apple Watch fan and you've got a one or a two, it may really be the time to upgrade to the latest generation Apple Watch Series 4. It will, as I say, come in two models. It should be available in South Africa on the 28th of September. And I look forward to playing with a new Apple Watch. I've enjoyed my Apple Watch Series 2, I think I've got, uh, for many, many years now. And uh, it really is just a useful, really clever smartwatch. And in the usual Apple style, they've refined the concept and brought some meaningful improvements to processor quality. The battery's about the same, 18 hours. The screen is certainly a lot bigger and brighter than the previous generation. And the, the actual watch, although being slightly bulkier, is actually thinner, which I think will look better on your arm. And it's, a, it's just a great improvement. And then moving on to the main show. Um, and the rumors were out there that there would be two models of the iPhone. And they were even pretty much spot on what the phones would be called. Well, they did not go iPhone 11 for whatever reason. They went iPhone 10s. As they've always done over the years, they get the 6S, 7S, 8. Well, they skipped that because they just went from 7 to 8 and no 9, but I'm not going to make jokes about that one. But the new, two new models were announced at the high end of Apple's announcement. There will be a brand new iPhone XS, which replaces the iPhone X or iPhone 10 from 2017. And then just to make sure that those that felt that perhaps the iPhone 10 wasn't big enough with its 5.8 inch screen squeezed into a body that wasn't really much bigger than the old iPhone 7 or 8 uh, body, they brought out the iPhone 10 Max. They decided, or, yeah, the iPhone 10 S Max. Uh, crazy names. But anyway, um, it's actually an XS Max in my mind. And this is a phone of excess. It has a 6.5 inch OLED screen, which is without question, I think one of the biggest on the market out there. Considering the Galaxy, the, the Samsung Note 9 uh, has, an, has a 6.4 inch screen. And let me tell you, that is a big phone. It's quite easy to handle, but it is a huge phone. This is even slightly bigger. But in keeping with the iPhone 10 ethos, it is all screen. All the way from the top to the bottom, no home button. Essentially, the entire front is a screen. Of course, the ubiquitous notch is there. And on both the iPhone XS and the XS Max, they've improved the quality of the um, eyesight cameras. So it apparently will, uh, I still find it really, using iOS 12, eyesight is just so intuitive. You lift the phone up in the dark, wearing glasses, pretty much 
every single circumstance that I've tried it, it instantly unlocks. It's great for passwords. You don't have to worry about them. It looks at your face, unlocks so many apps, your banking apps, everything, just quickly, simply, simply, sleekly. It is without question still, that, and I've tried face unlock, retina scan on many other models. Some of them are quick, some of them are pretty easy, but none of them even get close to the current iPhone 10 face unlock or, re, you know, the, the, the whole facial recognition stuff that they've got going. And the iPhone 10 promises to be even better in that regard, a lot faster, a lot more reliable. They've improved the quality of all the cameras. That's technology. It does that every year. And the new 10S and 10X Max has that with the ubiquitous notch at the top where all these cameras are stored. And it should be a lot faster. Elsewhere, it's pretty much the same as the iPhone 10, except they introduced an anodized gold model, which looks absolutely amazing. So the, it's a full stainless steel body, which comes in a in anodized black, natural silver, and now the gold color, which the watch does as well. The new, I forgot to mention, the new Apple Watch stainless steel comes in those three colors exactly the same. So you can buy a matching watch and a matching uh, iPhone XS or XS, um, all in the same colors. And they look pretty insane. Um, apart from that, it's still glass front and back, but they've upgraded the glass to the latest Gorilla Glass 6. They don't say that. They call it the most durable phone screen available to date. But I think this is Gorilla Glass 6, which is incredibly hardy. Um, from a scuff and a scratch point of view, it's no hardier if you drop it, but certainly it should lessen the need for those annoying screen protectors, which I can't stand. They always seem to crack so easily and leave little flaky glass bits which catch your fingers. But that's for another day. So the XS and the XS Max um, are out. And as I said, the good news is pre-orders start tomorrow in the U.S. And they announced that they will be on sale by the 21st of um, September, pretty much across all major territories in the world. And then, as a week later, round two, these phones will be available in South Africa on the 28th of September 2018, right here in sunny South Africa. Expect the pricing to be pretty extreme. The XS is at retail for 64 gig, 999 in the US, going all the way up to 1349 for a 512 gig for you guys who want more storage than you could ever uh, hope to deal with. But um, certainly a couple of hundred thousand photos at full resolution can be stored on that one. Expect that one to sell for a lot of money. I mean, I won't give you the South African pricing. Let's see where it goes. But that'll be $1,349. And the XS is $100 more. So it starts off at 1019 for a 64 gig, which is pretty much the minimum you should at any point in time have on a smartphone today. And all the way up to a massive 512 gig uh, for 1149. So significant prices, significant devices, and really high quality product from Apple once again. The standout feature, and this is something I left for last because this is going to be quite an interesting one. They also announced their new um, processor, their, 12, their 7 nanometer, pretty much like Huawei announced last week. But it's a 7 nanometer um, processor, which is unbelievably powerful, complete with their, their uh, sort of artificial intelligence and everything. Uh, all those things seem to have really come to the fore. But this, without doubt, is going to be one of the most powerful processes. And what it has allowed um, Apple to do is to improve the quality of their camera dramatically, mostly using technology or using the power of the processor itself to improve the quality of the, the picture. They have improved the cameras on the back. The X range or the 10S range both have the same cameras, a 12 megapixel on the on, uh, narrow and wide on the rear and a 7 megapixel front-facing camera. But the, the rear cameras have been improved dramatically over the 10 from last year, which they needed to do because I think in some ways they were falling behind the flagship devices from other companies in terms of camera quality. 
Um, so they've improved the basic camera quality, but they've also improved the quality of the um, actual processing to such an extent that I think the the new XS and XS Max phones will certainly be right up there with the other top camera phones on the market. And they had to do it. So I expect big things from them. I expect to see massive improvements in, in, in cameras and in certain quality on the new phones. But they're not to be outdone. Our dear friends, uh, Apple, announced another model, the new XR, which they are going to be selling at $750 uh, in 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 the US for a 64 gig, up to, I think, about $899 for more. But the new model is essentially a 6.1-inch um, iPhone, which looks like the iPhone 10, but the body is aluminium. It's no longer stainless steel. And the screen, they call it liquid retina. It is a... Um, LC screen, which a lot of people are very happy with. There's no question the OLED screens that they use in the X range are amazing, unbelievable, blacks, incredible quality. But the LCD screens, which were used in the 7s and the 8s, were no slouch in any way, shape, or form. So this is a new device which has a 6.1-inch screen, which is bigger than the iPhone 10, certainly bigger than the 8 Plus. So they've dropped all the pluses across the range. You only can get the 7 and the 8 iPhone and no plus versions of it anymore. And that will be replaced by the iPhone XR. Same camera, single camera on the rear, same camera as the iPhone 10. Same processor, the new A12 processor with all the power that that brings. Um, and that, unfortunately, will only be shipping in October. Uh, I think October the 23rd. So the benefit of that phone is that it will give you all the power and all the processing ability of the iPhone 10 in a very high grade but not quite as premium body. So you decide what you want. And the camera, although it's a top-notch camera, the latest quality identical to what's in the iPhone 10s, um, is a single camera. You don't have the dual camera. And, it, and so far the pictures that I've seen that were taken with it are certainly way ahead of the iPhone 8 currently. But I think it's a great move from, from Apple's point of view. It has no home button. It relies on the swipe system. All these new phones will run iOS 12, and iOS 12 will be out uh, in a few days, Monday. And as I said, I've been using it for a while. It is a huge improvement. It, it definitely speeds up older phones. From the iPhone 6 all the way up to the iPhone 8, even the 10 got a significant smoothness and power boost. The, the, the operating system is lighter, it's faster, and it definitely brings uh, a couple of cool features. I'm not going into that now, but that will be launched next week, Monday. So expect a 2.7 gig download. Please don't do it on mobile. I think you need to find Wi-Fi. Or you can pop into an iStore anywhere across the country, and they will do it for you for free with the greatest of pleasure. Just use their free Wi-Fi if you want. But if you're not comfortable with upgrading, just let them do it for you. And you'll lose nothing and you'll gain speed and fluidity. It'll be a great, great upgrade. So that's pretty much all the products. There was some software stuff they announced. But those are all the products, the new XS, the XS Max, and the XR, which will be available sometime in October. And not cheap. But great new devices from Apple. Oh, I didn't mention XR comes in all sorts of interesting colors, from yellow to blue to a red and an orangey sort of coppery color, black and white. So it'll be a really funky, interesting new phone in the Apple sort of stable. And on that note, we have a quick break for adverts, and we'll be back with more news straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up on the whole Apple story, unfortunately, I just realized how quickly 20 minutes can fly when you're trying to discuss all the new, uh, you know, it was an hour and a half presentation, lots of yadida and blah, blah, and how green they are. And I mean, Apple is a significant company. It was an incredibly well-scripted show with some really slick uh, product. And for you, Apple may says, yes, they made some broad claims about the only LCD screen with swipe, considering that had been done many, many, many years ago, 
on an LCD screen. That was perhaps a couple of steps too far. But essentially, I still believe that Apple set the mobile agenda for pretty much all the manufacturers across the world. Point in case is the notch. Until the iPhone 10 came out, no one had even thought of a notch. Yes, phones were getting slimmer and smaller, bezels were going away, but no one introduced a notch at the top to hide the cameras and move the screen right to the edge. Well, I lie. The essential phone had done it in a very small way um, the year before. But other than that, it took Apple with their mainstream power, let's put it that way, to bring the notch to all of us. Love it or hate it, it is now a feature of smartphones across the most manufacturers today. So the form factors, the technologies, the use cases, and the amount of sheer detail that Apple put into their various products is pretty much insane. I mean, from the processing power on their new A12, that chip is designed in-house. The processors, the GPU, which is the graphics processing unit, is designed by Apple themselves, made for them by TMC in Taiwan um, on their new 7 nanometer. In fact, TMC make the new Huawei chip as well because they're the only ones who can do the 7 nanometer chip production. And um, it really does move the industry forward. So don't feel bad if you've got an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 8. They're still very good devices. They will get uh, the iOS 12 update and they will still operate really well. But Again, Apple have pushed the agenda. They've done some amazing work with their processor, allowing augmented reality games to come to the fore, something that has not been done by many guys before, allowing virtual reality to, you know, their whole ecosystem to expand. And the medical and other sort of focus on the, both the phone and the watch and the ecosystem is still pretty difficult to replicate with anyone else. So, I think they've done an amazing job, nothing radical, nothing spectacularly breakthrough, but they have advanced the state of mobile technology in, I think, quite significant ways. And the other manufacturers are no doubt going to respond, and we're going to see some incredible steps happening across the entire industry. No 5G from them this year, definitely will come next year. And they just the software announcements, let me quickly wrap that up before we move on to a really interesting story that uh, I attended a, a very interesting event at Discovery yesterday. And they've been using big data to check in with all their numbers and all the vitality stuff. But we'll get back to that. So just to wrap up, Monday the 17th, the new software iOS 12 comes out. If you have an iPhone anywhere from the 5 up, it will work. You can download an update iOS 12 is a significant update, some ways incremental, but in other ways, it is definitely going to improve the speed of older phones. They've put a lot of effort into that. So if you've got a 5 or a 6 or a 7, they tend to slow down as operating systems get heavier and things get newer. Well, good news. I've tried it on a 6. It improves the speed and responsiveness of the phone significantly. So my recommendation is you don't have to wait, don't have to worry, lose no data, Everything remains the same. Do an upgrade and you will be quite pleased at the sort of crispness and the response of your phone. It will just bring a little bit of life to older phones. It also brings in a lot of the battery improvements. Again, you can get your battery replaced for a very reasonable price here in South Africa at the iStore. If you have an older model and the battery is not checking out, it does improve the performance as well. So that's a big deal. And a couple of weeks later, the new operating systems for your Mac are coming out. And uh, if you have a, a Apple TV, also a new operating system with, with Dolby Atmos and a couple of other things if you've got the 4K, but all the others, incremental improvements. As usual, Apple just keep rolling out these improvements as and when we do it. So now moving on to my last story of the day, because I can see my time is flying out. I attended a, a, an event at Discovery Vitality in their new building, and it was called The Road to a Healthier South Africa. And essentially, Anyone who's on Discovery and has been using their um, vitality and trying to get their smoothies and tracking their activity using a, a pad, or, you know, one of the watches or one of these various um, Fitbits or you name it, has been giving data to Discovery. They've been collecting that data. And what they've been trying to do is to try to understand where 
and what people do. The same if you have Discovery Insure and you've been using one of their tracking devices. Well, just to give you a quick summation of how it's going on, they discovered how South African cities rank in two areas. One, activity, and two, driving. Well, here's the good or bad news, depending on where your allegiance lies. The worst city for activity in the country is Bloemfontein. Obviously, no one in Bloem does anything. They sit and do nothing. By a long margin, they are the sixth least active city. The fifth is Port Elizabeth. Also, a little sleepy. They don't seem to want to do much, but quite a long margin. Then Durban, which is surprising. Coastal, outdoorsy, surprising they're not more active. Then Pretoria is number three. Rough people, those Pretoria people. They want to get out and get going. Here's what's interesting. Joburg was only the second most active city in the country. I think a lot to be said by the lifestyle. It's hard to get around. We live in gated communities. The pavements are not great. Maybe there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And, and actually, they made a, a really interesting remark. They're going to use this data to give it to the various city authorities and let them see what they can do to improve these things. Well, number one was Cape Town. Cape Town, by a large margin, was the most active city. Yes, I think the environment is amazing. The mountains, the beaches, you name it. Well, beaches, there's certainly promenades and whatnot. But Cape Town is the most active and health-conscious city in South Africa. Moving on to driving, and again, picture changes quite interestingly. The worst drivers in the country are from Durban. Now, I'm not going to um, explain why, but we'll come back straight after this ad break, and I'll tell you who the least worst drivers are and who won that category right after this. High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Welcome back. And Dr. Craig Nossel, whom I'm hoping to get on the show next Thursday for Tech Talk Cafe to discuss this and one other huge announcement, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet from Discovery. Um, I'm hoping to get him on the show next Thursday, straight after Yom Kippur. But anyway, you'll all be fresh and ready for the new year uh, for that show to discuss a lot more. But basically what he said by combining all these data analytics, the clinical knowledge that they have a ton of, it gives them a ton of behavioral insights. And these views of South Africans' physical activity and driving habits um, certainly can help. I mean, if you don't know what the data is, you don't know what's going on, it's difficult to make changes. But um, let's see if we can get Dr. Nossel on the show to give us a little bit more in-depth uh, information about these various things. But as I stated before the break, the least, and again by a huge margin, the least well-mannered well city from driving point of view. Now, that includes what they track is speed, harsh acceleration, uh, harsh braking, harsh cornering, and driving late at night, and just generally all those metrics come into this, um, was Durban. <laughs> I'll leave it to your imagination why. What is interesting is that the fifth worst or the fifth best driving city is Pretoria, but way ahead of Durban, but still significantly behind the others. Then Johannesburg. Now, anecdotally, we all have stories about how terrible the driving is, how mad people are on the roads, and it is a war zone out there, especially with all the taxis on the pavement and down the wrong side of the road. And, but still, this is information that is tracked directly from cars that have the, um, the discovery sort of system built in or placed in once you have discovery insure. Then, well, I'm not surprised. People don't move a lot in Bloom. I would imagine they drive a lot. But Bloemfontein is the third best driving city in the, in the country. Uh, I did mention Johannesburg was fourth, only fourth. Um, I thought they'd be about 100th. But anyway, that, as I said, is my anecdotal behavior, uh, you know, data collection that goes on. Following on from Bloom is Port Elizabeth. They are right up there. They're number two. Obviously, much more chilled living at the coast, so they don't drive so badly. But once again, all you Cape Townians, you can take the crown as being the best driving city in the country. And um, by, again, quite a margin, which is very interesting. I know a lot of people who say that Cape Townians drive terribly. They float around. They don't do a lot of things. 
But remember, this is not the actual driving behavior per se of other drivers on the road. What discovery we're checking is how people accelerate and they maintain that, you know, you can, that whole vitality thing, you can get points, get your smoothie and other things by driving well or being more active. And they found that there's a massive improvement once people engage in this type of, of, of competition using the vitality system. Their, their, their activities increase dramatically by up to 40%. And certainly their driving uh, habits change considerably once they, you know, participate in these systems and get all the points and everything. And on the, you know, they've done a lot of work. And again, that's why it's so, I'm so keen to get uh, Dr. Nossel into the studio and we can discuss all these various things because they've found a formula that definitely has a very positive effect on people, both on their health and on their driving. And driving the amount of deaths on the roads in South Africa are, are a real concern. The lack of, of courtesy on the roads is a huge problem. All of these things make life a lot worse. And I think these initiatives by Discovery around these various initiatives just make so, so, so much sense. I mean, they've done <laughs> another thing, uh, just last, last comment on this whole thing. They actually then checked who does the most gym workouts. And guess what? Cape Town came out number one again, followed by Durban, followed by Johannesburg. Now, considering the amount of people who live in Johannesburg, I would imagine most of their, their market or a good chunk of their market lives in Johannesburg. For Johannesburg to only have the third most gym workouts reported by Virgin Active uh, and uh, the other gym when you, know, when you check in by the various gyms where you check in, because it's not just Virgin Active where you can check in. Um, it just shows you that Cape Town are extremely, extremely health conscious. They're the most active. They drive the best. They go to gym the most. Certainly does sound like a place to be if you're a, a healthy, active, uh, you know, caring individual. And Bloemfontein, once again, were the worst in gym workouts. No one does anything. They don't go anywhere. They don't go to gym. And they don't drive so well, which is quite interesting. So all these really, really interesting um, stats. And again, part of gym workouts, those that track their steps, Cape Town came in number one, Pretoria number two, and Johannesburg number three. Now, these are pretty interesting. Um, and this is between, you know, the various, the various things. There's a lot more data. Um, I will try to share it more with you. And uh, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. Our show has come to an end. So have a brilliant week ahead for those of you well over the fast. And we will be back in a week with more news, more tech, and more interesting information right here from Tech Talk on High FM.